farming program with our equipped steel stockholders with Umbrook Industrial Estate Grantham, supplying the region for over 40 years. It's the Great Yorkshire Show this week. What can we expect? Well, the Great Yorkshire tries to reinvent uh, itself each and every year. Uh, this time uh, we have in our ammonium sheep duck trials, which is something that I've been a farmer I've always actually wanted to see there. We'll hear from show director Charles Mills and how has the livestock market fared in the first half of this year? Everybody's seen the grain prices and commodity price go up, but the livestock price and trading price has stayed up alongside it. Um, we've We've seen lambs as dear as what we have right the way across the board and fat cattle hitting new levels that we never thought we'd see. That's auctioneer Oliver Chapman from Louth Livestock Market and there's part two of my chat with the new Waldmarsh Chief Exec Heather Claridge discussing, as she is, women in agriculture and at the top of business, plus the grey market report from Openfield and the weather for the week to come. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Hello, hope you've had a great week. Enjoying the sunshine as we head towards harvest, we have some timely agronomy advice from independent agronomist Sean Sparling. First, though, hot on the heels of a very successful Lincolnshire show a couple of weeks ago, this week sees the Great Yorkshire Show. Good morning to show director Charles Mills. Good morning. We've had a very successful and very busy Lincolnshire show recently. How's things going with the Great Yorkshire Show, ticket-wise? Wednesday sold out and Thursday may well be uh, very close behind. Tuesday and Friday are still available, but yeah, tickets are going great and uh, people seem very keen to come back again, which is lovely. Excellent. Well, last year, of course, we had some restrictions in place because of COVID. Is everything back to normal now? For those that remember the Great Yorkshire Show, it all, always used to be over three days, but we've now gone to the four. Uh, and we learned a lot last year when we managed to do the show, which was... Uh, Huge challenge, but we managed to achieve that goal when we'd only 25,000 people on the showground. But this year, with 35,000 people, we are sort of back to normal, but we're back to normal from the perspective of the total number of people able to come to the show. Hopefully, uh, the idea is it's a far better experience, not quite as crowded. Excellent. Well, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Anything you can tell me about what's on this time? Anything new? Anything special? Well, the Great Yorkshire tries to reinvent uh, itself each and every year. Uh, this time uh, we have in our main ring sheepdog trials, which is something that I've been a farmer, I've always actually wanted to see there, with uh, competitors from all four nations, top competitors, both in the senior side and the junior sections. And they will be on uh, every day of the show, culminating on the Friday with the final championship. For those that remember, we used to have a fashion show building, but sadly the fashion show is no longer with us, but we're using that stage very much as a, a chat show area with GYS stage. Uh, and on that stage, on Tuesday, with Adam Henson, uh, Wednesday, JB Gill, then Matt Baker, Amanda Owen, and the lovely Peter Wright, who is on every single day. So that's a very new and different area. And we're hugely honoured to have uh, the Shorthorn Society and the Charolais Society having their World Congresses at the show this time. Uh, the Shorthorns originated in, in Yorkshire, uh, and so it's great to have almost 200 of them there being shown predominantly on the Tuesday. Uh, and, and actually, with a, a very special royal visit from Princess Anne on the same day as she is the uh, Shorthorn Society patron. 
Excellent. It's going to be a busy few days as usual. It's important to say, I guess, that this isn't just for farmers, is it? There's lots of family stuff too. Oh, yes. And, and uh, for those that like to eat, there's lots of the most wonderful food you can get. I mean, you can actually come to the show and buy, buy your Christmas presents if that's what you really want <laughs> to do. But, but, but no, it's very much about something here for everybody. And also in particular, our education section is very, uh, it's great for families, is that. Excellent. And tickets are still available for some of the days? Yeah, uh, certainly Tuesday and uh, Thursday. Uh, sorry, Friday, I think uh, there will be still a few, but believe you and me, they are going incredibly quickly and you can only buy them in advance. Uh, sadly, not on the gate anymore. Okay, so where do we go to do that and get more information? If you just look on the GYS website, you'll see everything there that you need to find where you can you can uh, purchase your tickets. Charles, thank you very much indeed for joining us on the Farming Programme this morning. Good luck with another very successful Great Yorkshire show. Thank you very much indeed. Take care. The weather's certainly looking at least as good as it was for Lincolnshire. Do let me know if you're going. Tweet at Farming Show and hopefully I'll see you there. Lovely summer weather, eh, this week, Sean? Good for the crops or... Do we need a spot of rain? Yes, good morning to you, Steve. Yeah, great end of the week in terms of temperatures. Blooming hot out here, actually. And forecast to be proper hot next week, as opposed to just messing about hot like we've just had this last week. But of course, this time of year, as we go through July, sunshine and warmth are what we need most to finish and ripen these crops off evenly in the field. Most wheat crops from September and early October drillings are now starting to go home quite clearly. Chlorosis rapidly increasing. And not just on the sands, the sands over gravel, or the shallow stony soils either the heavier the more bodied land now starting to change too of course the earlier drillings look always far more dramatic at this time of year how quickly they seem to go because they're carrying far more foliage so there's far more leaf to go yellow at this time of year but as i said last week it does seem to be being enhanced by the lack of rainfall we've had three mil so far this month and just 31 mil in the last eight weeks so just over an inch of rain since the 25th of may so it's no wonder we're seeing things changing so quickly the soil around the roots absolutely bone dry in most cases if you've got later drilled wheats which are just starting to get to that milky right stage then now is the optimum time if you're that way inclined to hit the perfect timing for foliar nitrogen more to boost grain protein obviously than anything else at this stage of the season in your milling wheats however nitrogen isn't exactly cheap these days so you need to do the numbers and assess the yield potential of these crops on an individual field by field basis foliar urea can increase proteins by between 0.3 and 0.8 of one percent so calculate how much nitrogen these crops have already had assess the likely grain proteins based upon the site the timings and the doses of any nitrogen you've applied and then take it from there and there'll be a lot of growers out there several of mine included who took a decision earlier on in the season just to aim for feed wheat and then just be pleasantly surprised if you accidentally make milling but that differential in price between feed wheat and milling quality wheat has increased quite recently so factor that in too and as I say once these crops get to cheesy ripe and beyond rather than the milky ripe stage you really have to question whether you're going to get your money back from an expensive foliar nitrogen application and obviously it's the higher yielding crops which are most likely to benefit from foliar nitrogen because the protein will be far more likely to have been diluted from the higher grain return. Um, oilseed rate crops still a little bit all over the place not much of a change really in what they look like from a distance this week and as I keep saying 
average seed moisture content needs to be less than 30% and around 65% of all the seeds should be brown. The middle pods on the raceme are going to have seeds which are mostly brown, still with a little bit of green, but mostly brown. And check a representative area of these fields. The headlands are going to go first. They always do. The field can be 10, 14 days behind. And if you've got hard water, by the way, the addition of water conditioners and softeners in with glyphosate can help it do its thing. Ammonium sulfate, for example, does a reasonable job at helping on that score and don't go too early i know things are moving quite quickly all seed rate seed fill though takes 40 days and most of the oil is going to be accumulated in the final 20 days of that so if you go too early with glyphosate or with a swather you're going to reduce both yield and oil content with all seed rate worth what it's worth today it's worth taking the time to get it right glyphosate on cereals as well 540 grams maximum one and a half liters of a 360 gram formulation less than 30 percent moisture the imprint of a thumbnail remember and then allow around 10 days before harvest as a minimum some of the barleys out there may already be too far gone they're pretty hard the grains out there and what you don't want to do is compromise the harvesting of the crop by having to wait that 10 days and then see it go flat or start to shed out or otherwise planning really should have seen you're ready to manage the worst crops anyway so if you're only just thinking about it just ask your advisor what he's been doing for the last two or three weeks brookid beetle and black bean aphids in spring beans starting to appear in crops now brookid beetle needs 20 degrees c plus on two consecutive days so we've had that criteria met well and truly now the eggs are very small um, they're between a third and a half of a millimeter long and you'll see them laid on the bottom pods first so check once the bottom pods are between one and two centimeters long which they pretty much all are out there now and they can cause significant damage and register a human consumption crop down to feed but pyrethroids are not particularly reliable against brookid beetles so you, you're going to be best to seriously consider predator numbers too as part of that solution just ask your advisor about what species and what numbers are out there in the field if you do have to go and spray with say lambda cyhalothrin go very early in the morning or very late in the evening when the bees and the other pollinators are much less likely to be foraging in the crop and if you're going for feed beans anyway probably best just not to treat at all anyway uh, black bean aphid as well threshold in beans is 10 percent of plants infested or one in 10 plants you're always going to see more on the headlands so again get out there and check push your way into the field and look one in 10 plant and perimicarb is the best alternative for that it's much safer to bees too but only one application of course applied these days uh, but you do get this vapor activity with perimicarb that lasts for about seven days but that's the best thing for black bean aphid aphids starting to increase in potatoes too direct feeding is a, a big problem they, they tend to suck the plant dry in where potatoes but of course they also transmit virus y which can be a huge issue and five aphids per compound leaf is your threshold obviously if you've got low predator numbers too that should be part of your thought process sugar beet now showing virus quite widely in the untreated crops definitely a lot later though than we saw it in 2020 but who knows you know hopefully it's coming after to that 14 to 16 leaf stage and looks far worse than it actually is because obviously the plant has uh, an inbuilt resistance once it gets to that stage so it might just look worse than it is also just to complicate everything there's plenty of phosphate potassium magnesium sodium and nitrogen deficiency out there too in the sugar beet crops just to confuse us so just because it's yellow it doesn't necessarily mean it's virus so a warmer week coming uh, sunshine uh, plenty to get this grain nice and filled harvest loom 
blooming. I love this time of year, Steve. So let's see what the next seven days bring. Thanks as ever, Sean. Our crop doctor, Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services, back with us next week. The Farming Programme with Araquit Steel Stockholders, Withambrook Industrial Estate, Gransom. For all your steel needs, call their friendly experts. Last week, I spoke to the new chief exec at buying group Waldmarsh, Heather Claridge, a woman at the top in agriculture and business still relatively uncommon. Part two of our interview from last week now. Let's talk about you. You've been with Waldmarsh for a few years now. Your background is... uh, not within farming, but within kind of related industries, mm-hmm. shall we say. Now you're the chief exec at Waldmarsh, first female chief exec since the company was formed 60-odd years ago. Mm-hmm. How does that feel? Well, to me, it, it's very much of an honour because I've always been about trying to push the boundaries a little bit. And I'm acutely aware that this is groundbreaking for Waldmarsh. But, you know, I know from my board that supports this that they view it very much as the right person with the right skills has it rather than this is a nice thing to do for diversity and inclusivity so from that point of view I'm very much aware that this is about my merits rather than my my gender however it fits in with my own personal ambition to make women in farming young women coming into farming make it a place where they can see that they can aspire to. And even, you know, just young people in general, we need to open up the world of agriculture so much wider so they can see what's available to them. But I want to be a role model. I want to support these people and I want to show them that some, you know, hard work, they can they can achieve what they wanted to. There's an old saying, isn't there, that a female in a senior position often has to work twice as hard and be twice as effective as the equivalent male might be, just to achieve the same result. Do you think that's true? I think that attitude is is dying out with the dinosaurs. Um, when I started in my agricultural career, you know, I've, I've faced farmers not wanting to talk to me because I was a, a woman, um, and men wouldn't do business with a woman, or being told when I started doing my first facts exam that if I failed, it would be because I was a woman and therefore I wouldn't get another opportunity to do it. And these things have only made me more determined to to get out there and, and, and show what's possible. I've never been a shrinking violet and, you know, I've, I've, I've held my own in many male events. However, I did get offered uh, once to take a friend on a trip so I could go shopping rather than go and look at the uh, fertiliser plant that we were going to see. So I'm delighted to say that those attitudes are, are disappearing, but there are people who are watching to see what happens. There are more and more women in senior positions within agriculture and related industries and within trade bodies and so on, thinking Minette Batters at the Mm -hmm. NFU, of course, um, and plenty of others. That would have been unheard of 20 years ago. Does this indicate a change of attitude, do you think? Yes, I think think it does. And recently I was talking to one of our members at a social event and they, his actual comment was that his father would have been horrified to found a woman at the helm. But the attitudes are changing as the younger generation comes through the less traditional ways. Uh, yes, there is more more an acceptance of it. Absolutely, and long may that continue. Heather Claridge, newly appointed CEO of Wold Marsh. Thanks for seeing me today. Thanks very much for joining us on the farming programme. 
Thank you very much. Now to the market report, starting with livestock from Louth Market auctioneer Oliver Chapman. Morning, Oliver. Good morning, Steve. Another weekly roundup from here at Louth for Monday the 4th of July. Starting with the prime cattle, which sees steers top for F. Wallace & Sons of Biscothorpe at £1,699 or 259 pence per kilo, while the heifers top for W.P. and H. Laird & Sons making a return of New York at 246 pence per kilo, grossing £1,522 per head. Cool cows again see a returning vendor this week with Martin Paul of Hogsthorpe topping at 200 pence per kilo and grossing £1,396.50. Just a handful of store cattle on offer saw heifers and steers top for both ADV Limited with heifers to £1,125 while steers top at £880. Moving on to the sheep, starting with the lambs, similar number on offer, however a lifting trade to leave an SQQ of 338.91 pence per kilo with an all-in average of 335.32 pence per kilo. Top this week came from Shaw Brothers of Binbrook and A&D Foster of South Summercoats with lambs away to a high of £160 while Scribblesby Farms Limited followed closely behind at £159. The pence per kilo section was topped by F.W. Robertson Sons at 385 pence per kilo, while again following closely behind were Scrivelsby Farms Limited at 371 pence per kilo. Just a handful of hogs which were mixed amongst the ewes see a top for a first-time vendor, Robin Cooper, with Lincoln Longwalls to £136 per head, while R.G. Stone see tops of 125 Onto the cool ewes and another strong show with 104 on offer all passing through the ring to leave an all-in average of £167.65 per head. A tremendous run of 64 ewes from Scribblesby Farms Limited topped the day at £194 per head to leave with an all-in average of £186. Finally, just a handful of store lambs which have been pulled out of the fat because they didn't just have enough back on them from Jay Gordon Hall saw Jacob Crosses to a top of £62 per life. Huge thank you to everyone that's been in supported this week, both buyers and vendors. In just four weeks' time is our party fair, which is the first an opening store lamb and breeding sheep show and sale, so please do not hesitate to contact me for all entries and marketing options. This is Oliver Chapman for Masons and Louth Market, and thank you. After I saw Heather Claridge at Waldmarsh the other day, I popped into town and met Oliver for a look back at how the market for livestock has fared in the first half of the year. Very good. Everybody thought that there'd maybe be a slight dip with trade um, for all cattle and sheep, but however, we've not seen it, and everybody's seen the grain prices and commodity price go up. But the livestock price and trading price has stayed up alongside it. Um, we've we've seen lambs as dear as what we have right the way across the board and fat cattle hitting new levels that we never thought we'd see and cattle getting upwards of that 280 pence per kilo mark or 17 to 1800 pounds per head. Any cause for that, do you think? Is there anything you can put that down to? Is it shortages which we keep hearing about? I would say that shortage of good stock um, and in Lincolnshire we're surrounded by good stock everybody's got that higher grade in better cattle and sheep and we we are blessed with with what we do see from across Lincolnshire whether that be up on the Humber Bridge or right down to Spalding, Hull Beach and all down that area however sheep numbers a little bit tighter because obviously input prices are going up so one or two aren't so inclined to start feeding lambs and store cattle numbers just a little bit less everywhere i mean we've seen several herd dispersals or reductions in the last four or five years which has a knock-on effect that once they're gone they don't come back so numbers in general i believe 
are just becoming a little bit tighter as there are there are less and less people my age wanting to go into livestock they want to drive big shiny tractors but livestock where you can't put them in a shed and turn them off at night they then less inclined to go into that side of it okay and as we move into the second half of the year do you think things are going to continue in much the same vein do a bit of crystal ball gazing where do you think the next six months heads um, it's always hard to know, isn't it? I mean, if I'd have told some of these farmers that they'd have been having the trade, they still are now for their lambs and their cattle 12 months ago, they'd have laughed at me. But I think going forward, we're in for some rocky times, but I think trade and food security is going to be brought to the forefront of that. And I think that, that prices will remain strong. Cool ewes have been selling at biblical price. I mean, we've had cool ewes in here up to £250. I mean, they're averaging 140 to 160 or £70 pounds every week. Now, most people, 12 to 24 months ago, were only giving £170 or £80 pounds for the replacements. They're now getting 10 or £20 pound more than that for their use at the end of their life. So obviously I think there's going to be a little bit more money to spend in those breeders. I could be wrong, but I think there's a little bit more prosperity and people have got a little bit more confidence in the job now that this, these prices are staying where they are. Hopefully we're going to see numbers continue and this trade carry on right the way through to the end of the year to, to the fat stocks and, and the Christmas shows. All right, Oliver, thanks very much. We'll get your report again next week. Grand, thank you. To the grain markets now with Open Fields' Alice Killam. Morning, Alice. Morning, everyone. I've heard the news of a few combines rolling, making a start on the winter barley. It's always surprises me how quickly it seems to come around. All seed rate will be hot on its tail, and before we know it, it'll all be over. Needless to say, we all have a very busy time ahead, with hopefully minimal accidents and maximum yields. Early reports are looking good, with bold samples and nitrogen in a reasonable range. Still early to tell, but touch wood, we will see some great samples heading our way. For the wheat this week, we had no US markets to lead us on Monday the 4th of July, as EU markets got off to a decent start, with the French motif higher on the back of yet more sales to Egypt. And all was going swimmingly on Tuesday, with London Liffey trading £3 up until the Canadian planting estimates were released, with wheat area rises to highest level in a decade. A combination of this, poor US weekly export numbers and a strong US dollar, US markets traded down again after a long weekend, and we followed suit. Midweek, we hit a five-month low, but by the end of the week, we were starting to see a slight improvement again. The drop in values has meant some more UK export business. Also, good news that we are getting domestic interest for autumn. The Russian harvest estimate keeps going up, although the availability of this is clearly questionable. This is amid favourable weather conditions and all-time high acreages for them. On to the barley for this week. Harvest is well underway in southern France and has been accelerated by the same hot and dry conditions that have been hampering crop conditions in Europe for weeks. Early reports do suggest lower than average yields, which was expected, but we will only really know the detail as more progress is made, particularly into the northern areas. Futures markets have fallen hard lately, led by a speculative sell-off by funds. This has impacted all commodities and malting barley flat prices have had to fall accordingly. That said, premiums remain firm prior to the start of the spring harvest, which may not be the case in the weeks to come, as finally farmers come to the market with known quality and volumes. There's still time for adverse weather to arrive and spoil play for us, so we will know the situation better once the crop is in the shed. Early reports on the UK crop is very positive. Very early winter barley yields have been up over 8 metric tonne per hectare and general quality looking very good for early cuts. Obviously, as yet, far too early to judge the crop, but early signs are good. On to the all-seed rape. First of all, plenty of fields I've been seeing recently are looking great and I have come across many who are spraying off where necessary. 
Not that it's a race, of course. <laughs> but looking promising, which is always good news. Canadian plantings were actually lower than estimated. Important to remember here that these are planting estimates only. Also not helping US futures after the bank holiday was the weather showing improving signs, although yields for maize have already been downgraded by the USDA after a later drilling date. Wednesday and Thursday, we did, however, see the French Matif up by circa €25, Euros, so watch this space. To conclude, we are seeing a slight reluctance from farmers to sell, especially looking at the 2023 crop. The Ukraine war is unfortunately still happening, with their production logistics likely to be impaired. Lots of this wheat won't make it to the market. On top of this, weather is also misbehaving in parts of the world, so there are ongoing problems, but let's be optimistic as harvest is underway. Prices for this week, feed wheat, August 235 to 255, September 251 to 261, November 255 to 265. Milling wheat premiums are currently around 35 to 45 pounds. Barley, September 210 to 220, November 222 to 232 and December 224 to 234. For malting barley premiums, please speak to your open field farm business manager. All seed rape, July 555 to 565, September 560 to 570, and November 565 to 575. That's all for this week. Thank you. Thanks, Alice. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Hot, sunny and dry. That's pretty much it for the entire week. No rain forecast, light and variable winds, mostly from the west to southwest, barely getting into double figures MPH. Highs reaching 29 Celsius first half of the week. A beautiful summer week in Lincolnshire and Newark. I'm Steve Orchard. Until next week when we get to know the new chair of Lincolnshire Young Farmers, enjoy the sunshine if you can and have a great week. The Farming Programme with Araquip Steel Stockholders with Embrook Industrial Estate Grantham. BSI ISO 9001 accredited.